Hi, recording this intro with a little bit of a cold, a couple of weeks uh, or a week and a half after I actually recorded it with Tom. Uh, just to give a little context about why Tom, why Tom the taxi driver. Uh, it's actually the first person that I've managed to interview who I don't know at all, or who I reached out to um, through the magic of the internet. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, which I really would love you to go and subscribe to and watch some of the videos. They're excellent. Um, and he also has a book uh, about how to pass the uh, how to how to be a London taxi driver. Um, the reason I talked to him actually, and the reason I reached out to him was uh, part of my book that I'm writing. I referenced the knowledge, which is the test that London taxi drivers have to take. It's a famous test, and um, and the disrupting nature of the likes of Uber and Google Maps, and what that means for the industry. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to actually get the opinion of a London taxi driver? And uh, fortunately for me, Tom was very much willing to have that conversation. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I certainly did. And um, Tom, if you're watching, thanks again so much for, for the conversation. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. All right. Enjoy the conversation, guys. Bye. Hi, you're listening to Wimbledon, hosted by me, Nick Ray. Hi everyone, so I'm here with Tom, Tom Hutley. He is a London taxi driver with a YouTube uh, channel, a very cool YouTube channel and a quite a big following now. So he's doing pretty well, but uh, could be doing even better with some of you guys following him. So that's gonna be one of the things I want to encourage is you go and check out his YouTube channel and subscribe and like these uh, his videos. Um, but also he's got a book and, uh, and in Amazon and uh, he also does tour guiding around London. And I know a lot of my friends are uh, over in London, so maybe some of you guys are even listening or watching this are over there. So you're going to have to check Tom out and go and uh, go and uh, hire him for some tours around London. But I'm going to pass over to Tom now just to introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're up to and how you got to be where you're at. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. So uh, yeah, cheers for the introduction. There really, really means a lot. And thank you for for reaching out. It's um, it's well. I love doing this. I love the podcast medium. So yeah, I'm really, really glad to be to be on board. Um, so yeah, of course, I am a taxi driver. That is kind of my day job. I originally became a taxi driver. Got my badge about three and a half years ago after three years of studying the arduous knowledge, the knowledge um, as it's uh, always in capitals. Um, but largely just because of like a freedom of work, freedom of life. Um, I'd always worked within. Like retail backgrounds so working on weekends and you know from start to close all that sort of thing never really phased me it was just part of life um, but I just always begrudged having to work for someone else having to be at a certain place at a certain time having to book time off having to book weekends off uh, so for me taxi driving kind of fitted that bill I initially got into it because I just had a bit of an interest for London and as I started learning the streets I thought well you know what this isn't that bad a gig uh, so I carried on and um, yeah, this is where, where I got to. My journey kind of now um, into a lockdown world, uh, beginning of the first lockdown, I kind of had a little bit of an identity crisis because with less people on the street, not being able to pick up fares, not being able to do my job in the usual way, I was like, right, now what? Am I still a taxi driver? What am I? Uh, so I created some, some videos for YouTube. Um, so I've been doing that for the past year. Um, it's kind of ramped up a bit more now because I'm now doing taxi driving. That's where I am now in the back of my taxi, as well as those YouTube videos. So it's it's pretty. I'm pretty full time, really. 
Yeah, it's you're certainly pumping out a lot of content on uh, YouTube, which is obviously where I can see you. I can't come and take a cab ride in London at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd love to come to the UK because my mom is desperate for a visit. Uh, we haven't seen each other for a long time now, so she lives down in uh, down in Red Hill, so below below London. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Tom, thank you so much again for for spending some time talking to me. I, I super super appreciate it, and I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, in 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 a big part because actually the knowledge I'm fascinated by the knowledge I, I i knew about it i was born in london and i, I knew about the knowledge for for my whole life, sort of life from teenagers up onwards and uh obviously about how amazing to, it is to achieve the what is it twenty five thousand streets or something you have to learn it's kind of over um kind of hyped a bit that's kind of like this number that everyone's latched on to um it it, well no because like every sort of media outlet likes to play up and i think a lot of cab drivers like to kind of big it up as well um it is a huge amount of effort basically i think it's it's a potential of twenty five thousand roads because technically any examiner can ask you anywhere in london you know within this massive map you have six mile radius of charing cross um yeah so it's a potential of that many roads um but really you know you're talking about maybe more nine thousand ten thousand sort of points of interest to fifteen thousand by the time you get your five so i'm pretty sure everyone listening is gonna be like okay that's still a hell of a lot <laughs> and uh i think uh i think what's so impressive as well you talk about so i've watched quite a few of your videos now in my homework uh and you talk it's very useful to have all those videos to do the homework by the way yeah, thank so you, uh right, yeah. so future guests <laughs> do loads of YouTube videos. <laughs> um, but you talk about the runs that you learn a lot of different runs, right? And that's how you sort of build up the knowledge bit by by learning these different runs. And you talk about calling them out as well. Uh, but you're literally saying them out loud, because you have to talk them through in your exam and things. Yeah. Can you talk me a bit of through that process? Because in my mind, what, the main reason I think I've got you or I wanted you to come on was because it is such a huge achievement to get the knowledge and it requires such a lot of dedication, uh, resilience to sort of get through, you know, I think it, you said two, maybe three years it can take to, to yeah. get through the process. You're out on your bike, you know, you everyone gets a little moped and, and goes out in the rain or shine and with their yeah. board looking at all these different uh, runs. Can you talk me through like, how did you, decide to do it what strategies did you use in terms of like you know did you follow a, a, a well-known strategy or did you build your own and also what kept you motivated throughout like how did you not decide you know what <laughs> i've done a thousand i've got so many more thousand to go well that is that is one of the sort of struggling stumbling blocks of it um yeah so as you said it is about you know it's about three to five year process it can be longer it can be quicker because of the way the examination system works but i'll start with what you said at the beginning with the the runs um and what a run is it's basically um a journey so you start from one point of interest to another point the very first one on the knowledge starts an area of london near finsbury park called manor house manor house tube station and that goes to gibson square and that is just off of upper street in islington Siren game pass. I was waiting for that so to pass. Authentic, and yes, uh, yeah, all the, the genuine <laughs> London London article. Uh, so you run that run, and there's 320 of these runs to go by. Now, what these are, these are kind of like imagine if you was to learn a language, or you was to go to a different country to learn a language. The the runs are kind of like your basic phrases, if you will. 
So you could, it's equivalent to learn a language. You learn like these 320 kind of phrases that will get you through most situations. But then it doesn't stop there. There's all the other little bits connecting. Because by the time you've done 320 runs, you've got a really good idea of London. But then you need to start formalizing your own routes. And again, using the language analogy, it's then saying, right, you've learned these phrases, but how can you, you know, join these phrases together or these uh, sentences together to make a more uh, fluent conversation, if you will. And that's kind of what it then becomes. When you go to the exams, a lot of people kind of misinterpret how a taxi exam works. They think, oh, you must do like a driving exam you must drive them across the sea well that would be really really easy the way it actually works is that you um you kind of you just opposite an examiner like in this situation here you you turn up like you're going to your gp or your doctors for a uh, a medical appointment you have to turn up fully suited otherwise they'll they'll turn you away and they'll sit you down they'll go right mr hutley uh take me from the um batsy cats and dogs home and we're going to go to the dogs trust you have to say uh, yes sir or ma'am uh, the Batsy uh, Cats and Dogs Home is on Batsy Park Road and the Dogs Trust on Wakeley Street and they say right run it for me and then in your head you then have to mentally recite that route um, so it, it coming back to the language analogy it's very I would say probably close to that and you're kind of what people don't get as well is that the knowledge is a study of the map itself it's to prove you know the ins and outs of that map it's not necessarily how you would drive it on the road it's to prove to that examiner who is a qualified taxi driver themselves that you have obsessed grossly about that, that you know every single possibility and option because when you come out here and when you are a cab driver it is understanding all those options that that exist to answer your question in terms of the study element of it um initially you know like some people and i think when you start any new big project you kind of find your feet a little bit you do it haphazardly you do it a little bit wrong but once i got into it i really I mean, I really enjoyed the process because I approached like an athlete, almost like a, a an elite athlete, how I imagine they would have a training regime or program for, say, competing, you know, like a boxer who does certain exercises and things leading up to the big match, because it was your exams would happen every two months, then followed by every month and so forth. But it was building up to that date. So it was being effective, like in your studying for that day you know you wouldn't go out like the night before your exam and try and learn loads of new bits of london you would refresh what you've already done and then conversely once you've just had an exam that's then the best time to go out and learn stuff because you've got a good month to kind of digest it all so that's kind of a bit of an insight about how it all all works really yeah that's awesome and i think that approach uh, you've also written a book how to how to pass the knowledge i can't remember the title. yeah how to become a, a london black cab driver and it kind of approaches some of these things that i did you know like i got really serious about sleep i i researched into sleep because i was basically i was working full time i had to commute an hour into london to actually then go see these points of interest you have to physically see the streets street view doesn't cut it because it's not up to yeah. date you don't get true representation uh, and then, of course, you have to be at the map calling over all the time. So juggling all those things, I was running out of time. So I was like, right, okay, maybe I can hack my sleep somehow. Maybe if I, um, yeah, like I can get a few shorter nights here, I can then do that. And then I then quickly realized that's not the case. So I then <laughs> optimized my sleep. I found out I could do more if I got better quality sleep. Um, little things like that, you know, I, I used to have a, a banana before my exams because I learned, you know, I, I read a bit of research that there would then anti-anxiety inducing so before you sit the exam and part of the routine as well you know i would do like a mental kind of checklist that i would do before i sit my exam all these kind of things that just kind of get all your ducks in a row for the best chance of success really yeah 
honestly, that's exactly the sort of thing that I've been talking about. And I, it doesn't surprise me that you've done you've done this process to get there. And I, I do wonder how many people are, are that sort of, you know, targeted and driven in the way that they approach it. But I, I can see from also the way you, you do your even your YouTube videos, you're talking very openly and very authentic. And I think for me, I think you I, I'm going to guess here I'm going to go out on a limb. But you approach YouTube in a similar way to the way that I am approaching this podcast, but I'm also approaching the way in which I try to interact with people with authenticity. You're very open about what you want, how you want it and, and where, you're, where you're going. And you're also open about what you don't know and, and, and how you're wanting to learn. And I think that authenticity is what's going to gain you uh, an even bigger audience on on youtube and certainly the ones i've seen on youtube uh, is, uh, yeah, yeah. Is, is have been successful for that for that reason uh that the, the, the authenticity shines through well kind but, of have a bit of a pessimistic kind of look to it where i think i don't i don't it's the old bruce lee quote that um you know i don't fear the man who's um you know who's learned a thousand punches or a thousand kicks i fear the man that's learned one kick and he's done it a thousand times you know he's yeah. practiced that. and I don't, to kind of elaborate on that, I, I don't really, if there's something I'm a bit weak on, you know, that's kind of where I want to explore it. And, and also if something's working, then I, I then stick towards that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just about knowing where your strengths and weaknesses lie. Um, when it came to the knowledge, you don't really want to, stuff you're strong on, you kind of should push that to the side and say, right, I'm good at that. Let me focus on the weak stuff because that's the stuff that's going to get exploited and pulled apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think you have to be quite honest and, quite critical of that and just be know that you're vulnerable and then look at your vulnerabilities and then you can then strengthen those who kind of come out from all angles but yeah yeah i guess it's it's so i've had a few people on on the podcast talking about strengths and and especially talking there's a there's a theme a theory called strengths finder or another theory um, a methodology called strengths finder i don't know if you've heard of it but it, i had a strengths finder coach on there and they focus very much on what are your strengths and then push those forward and you know ignore your weaknesses but i guess to your point is if you need to pass a certain bar yeah across the board then you need to get the whatever you're not strong in up to that bar at least yes uh, yeah and, and get and, and get everything over the bar but uh yeah I, I another thing i wanted to talk to you about and i did kind of preempt just before we we came live i i, I, did, I did give you a little i actually read a little bit of my book to tom so tom is the first person apart from my wife who's heard any of my books. early access <laughs> very early access it's still a long way to go but uh the reason i did that was because i talked about strategy and and skills and talents and and the talent required to execute a strategy and uh i use the example of the knowledge actually so in london obviously for Oh God! Hundreds of years. I think since eighteen fifties or something, the knowledge yes. has been around. Something like just that. after the Great Exhibition, which was eighteen fifty one, and it's kind oh, of a okay. bit kind of lost as to what the date was. It was officially formalised, but following the Great Exhibition, when loads of people came and visit London, was obviously uh, well, the UK was a massive powerhouse in terms of industry and what the British Empire was doing. So it was a big kind of gloating festival put on by Prince Albert in Hyde Park, original Crystal Palace that was based there. Come look at us, look how great we're doing. Um, and then, you know, the people who were coming to visit all from all around the world, it attracted about 2 million people in a six uh, month period of time, all got taxi rides to areas a bit more out of the central London, you know, maybe down to, I don't know exact locations, but maybe down to Clapham, up to Islington and stuff like that. Yeah. 
but the taxi drivers of the day didn't know where they were going and that was then deemed it was like a failure like okay we've, we've put on this amazing show of what the british empire can do but our taxi drivers are terrible let's sort this out and uh, from that point forward the the knowledge was said to have been introduced yeah so it's it's legendary i mean it's been around for so long and it's yeah. such a, a and it's obviously got more complicated i mean my god if you if you watch some of the videos i tell you one fun video if you actually i'll maybe link it below is the one where you're playing some game a video game about being a cabbie and you're just getting annoyed because you're like that that there's a street there that's not correct this is wrong and and i'm just laughing because you're banging into lampposts and things and seemingly not <laughs> noticing because it's a video game but uh but 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 i think that that knowledge and that the the, the knowledge and the, the the complexity of it and the this sort of the, the way it's held it held true that you know by far the best person who could get you around london anywhere up until the advent of you know google maps was a hundred percent a black black cab driver and uh even now i i still think that's the truth because i've seen again some of your videos saying well it's crappy directions on on google maps and things yeah however it has to be acknowledged that that technology has dramatically affected the game in which you're in which the the taxi drivers are playing and 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 it's dramatically affected the landscape because of course you also have companies like uber coming in and offering a very similar, if not the same type of service. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same, you've got a nice roomy cab you're sitting in the back of right now. It looks like, you know, you've got comfort and you've got five seats and there's lots of other reasons. But essentially, if, if I'm one person needing to get across from one place to another in London, I have options now of, mm -hmm. of multiple things which will be more or less accurate. And I think that dramatic change in the landscape uh, Transport for London, which runs runs the black cabs, m in my opinion, has not adapted fast enough to really push forward and 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 re-strategize, as it were, that what what black cabs are for, why people should be hopping into black cabs, perhaps changing the dynamic in the way in which they work with the drivers to give the drivers more opportunities to earn more money or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to throw that at you and I asked before is that okay because I know it's controversial yeah. and a lot of black taxi drivers are, uh, are going to get very upset about that and, uh, and, and, and you know have a very strong opinion to that but I wanted to hear your opinion because I've, I've heard you talk and I think you know you're very open about these things. So I want to open with a, uh, a quite a contentious uh, line and that is that on paper I think the Uber model is brilliant okay <laughs> how amazing is that right okay hear me out yeah when you look at um obviously uber is a global company and when you look at some markets across the world you know say places in rural america where there isn't a taxi service where you do get like higher rates of people you know drink driving because there is no efficient way to get about there's you know bus services aren't the the sort of we, we take for granted in, in london how good our transport network is and like yeah. i say you go to places in rural america and i'm sure that translates all across europe and wherever else in the world um there is very much a need for it and you know when you look at uber's original business model it was a ride sharing platform they still call it a ride sharing platform because it's the idea is you've got a car you're going to work you can share it with all these people and earn a little bit of money on the way so that i like the idea of that because that then means you know less traffic um, you know, in terms of going green and you know like zero emissions and things like that, that works really, really well in that in that favour as well. Um, where it kind of falls down um, is obviously how it's tried to grow and then 
what's then been happening in cities like London. Um, I've got to be careful here, because the trouble is I can ramble on too long about this. I'm just trying to pull <laughs> apart the, the main sort of things. Um, I think in a nod to what you were saying about, you know, transport for London's uh, perspective on it, you know, how they've kind of all... I think it's definitely blurred the line because years ago, what, what it used to be was you'd have minicabs in London. And this, I'm just talking about London specifically here, yep, but you have yes. minicabs in London and you have taxis. And the idea was a minicab, you'd have to go to a minicab office, you'd have to pre-book the ride. The, the person who would drive you would then have to kind of pre-look at the route and go, okay, we're going to go there. And you generally got it cheaper um, because, of course, there was certain overheads they don't have to cover. Um, they have to go through the knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you could sort of understand that. Okay, if I pay a bit more for a taxi, I can get one there and then. Minicab, I've got to wait a little bit, but it's a bit cheaper. So there was kind of a, a trade-off there. It kind of went buses, minicab, taxis. Um, and then what you're saying in terms of Uber, I think that's definitely blurred the line. That's almost kind of slid right between the minicab and the, the taxi model. In some cases, I think when Uber was first launched in London, it became like on par with taxis almost because it was this, look at this app. Oh, it comes directly to me i've not got to go to the office it comes to my door and then you know i get there and it's remarkably cheaper it feels much the same as a taxi but as it's kind of gone on as it's translated through i think a lot of people have kind of had their first experiences with uber maybe it's been an upgrade from getting the bus or wherever uh, maybe they've not had as good a service it's maybe if anything it's probably made the market a little bit bigger because it's pulled people into the world of kind of private transportation so they might have had an uber before and they're going you know what Let's get in, into a taxi because the Uber driver didn't necessarily know where he was going and um, or, or things like that. Um, and the only other problem I have really is the sort of regulation side of Uber. Um, we've seen it in court rulings even just this year with terms of how they um, employ their drivers. Are they self-employed? Are they employed? They've gone all the way to the Supreme Court. It's been going in courts for about sort of four years or so and it's been ruled that they are... Um, employees they're technically employees because uber then delivers them the work they are then in demand for i think i've probably gone off the the topic a little bit no but i think that's interesting so if i can just jump in there yeah. because i think you're right and and I, I agree with everything you've said and and so there's no for me there's no contention there i also think uber's an amazing business model uh, i think being a disruptor like that and and pushing for growth like they have i yeah. think it's uh it's very much out of i'm not uh, I think it's the Silicon Valley company, well, but anyway, it's it's very much out of that ethos of startup and hit it hard and and you know yeah. almost break break the rules and then say sorry the, later the, and work it out. To, just to elaborate on that, I wanted to, sorry to interrupt, but like before um you know we go a bit further down it. So I thought the actual initial, if you write it down on paper, that's what I agree with. Where yeah. it's gone now, just so people don't look at me and go, oh, you're a taxi driver saying you love Uber. I'm not saying that. <laughs> what is the way the business model was morphed? is now what I don't agree with because it's like yeah. a predatory model, um, very much like Amazon. Um, I mean, I use Amazon, but like the, the thing is, is that their prices aren't set. So on an Uber model, the, the, the prices can surge based upon mm. if it's raining, if it's busy in London, if it's artificially done by drivers logging out of the app, which does happen. Yeah. Um, so you're not getting a, a fair and regulated ride. And the, the trouble is you can see why drivers do that or try and exploit that to get the most money out of it because they're not, they don't get much of a share once Uber takes their cut. You know, it's yeah. not driver's fault. These guys are just trying to go out and earn like a, you know, some, some honest money really. And it's a, there's no uh, barriers to entry. You know, you can get a car, you can then go get um, a license from TFL and go do this relatively easy. But I think it's the big company. You know, we live in a world where 
we're very conscious on you know sweatshop labor where we consume from like uh, we don't like having plastic because of the effects on the environment we're not looking at the big issue on our doorstep where is it a fair environment for you know that driver you know i the, the cost of a black cab isn't because i've done all the knowledge and things like that it's because for me to get this vehicle to come and operate in london and the, the fare that is then set by tfl is to ensure that i as a driver take home a, a suitable living wage yeah. it's not mad it's not massive it's not hugely inflated um and, and yeah so that's kind of where i, I sit with uber i just think that the company and you know the valuation it has is is based upon um it's just based upon nothing, you know, it doesn't own anything. It doesn't own any drivers. It doesn't really own any assets. You know, it's not mm. like a traditional brick and mortar sort of business. Um, I think, I think if we stick with London as well, I mean, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to go around lots of different cities all over and see some with Uber and some with different models. I mean, I lived yeah. in Hong Kong most recently and uh, that's got a very different setup. It has got Uber, but basically you only use Uber to get to the airport and back. Like it's, it's more like a mini cab. But like a shuttle service almost. Di- di- yeah, you almost direct it sort of just order it direct. But uh, but I think in London, yeah, it's a good thing that they've they've agreed that they're employees because I think the whole the way they were doing that was was uh, that was saving Uber a lot of money, right? So now those that cost that's it, it, it's implied in 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 the way in which they're going to have to uh, give their drivers more benefits and 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 pay them as employees. That cost will obviously relate back to the cost in the app and and how much it's going to cost you to take and take an uber because it is a business that will do that i i think what's interesting for me is you know transport for london their attention as far as i can tell at least has been very focused on uber's bad you know they're not doing this they're not doing that like this is a you know it's it's breaking rules here it's doing it's it's, it's not treating its drivers well and everything and not kind of like well what about surge pricing for taxis? You know, what about black cabs? Like, how, could we change the way black cabs operate that's still fair and 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 works well for the black cab? It works better for the black cab drivers. You know, that, that is there a way to do that? Because I agree with your point of um, private transportation. I think it's massively expanded that the the number of people who are ca- jumping in in taxis or, or Ubers now. I think it's, yep. it's it's a huge amount more, and that's why I also don't worry that black cabs are dead in the water. Like I don't think you're in a dying trade. I think it's but it, it is in a trade where it should be cha- it should be dynamic. It should be able to be a bit more uh, dynamic. And also, what is the what are the barriers to entry for? A black cab driver you know you've taken the time and the energy and the effort to learn the knowledge but in reality as technology improves is that really going to be so necessary in the future or is it more the integrity the eagerness to uh, you know display this wonderful city for example and give points of interest and give more of a, a, a tour guidey kind of experience which is what a lot of black cab drivers are excellent at they got the patter they you know they yeah. sit and chat about all these different places which yeah i i cannot imagine an uber driver being able to do that i've no, I, you know i just don't see it unless they were really weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's 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 something that's special and i think that's where in my opinion, the, the transport for London, especially, have missed a trip because they've not re-strategized. But what do you think to that? Because I know that's controversial, and I'm sure, and I know as well, you have a lot of people following you because I also read some of your comments, like who are cab drivers. You know, they they're sitting there talking about their experience, talking about the trade, and you've created quite a lot of um, 
conversation around around these topics with your videos yeah i mean that's kind of what i wanted my youtube to, to come about i'm not saying i'm not there to just do the usual cab rhetoric and saying oh okay uber's bad get a black cab driver i want to sort of say right this is why it's priced this way this is the hoops and that we have to jump through um yeah and and things like that one thing Let's go back to your sort of first point on sort of pricing, you know, can the black cab driver surge and things like that. Well, mm-hmm. we actually get um, roughly every year um, in line with inflation, we get like a consultation come through from Transport for London. It's handed out to the unions. The unions have a look at our, our taxi driver unions uh, and us as drivers can vote on it as well. And usually they say, look, what do you want to do with the fares? Do you want them to go up? Do you want them to stay the same? Do you want them to go down? And generally, most drivers, and even the old school diehard ones, don't really want fares to go up. I mean, it's only like 20p here and there. Like The meter at the moment starts at £3.20. So if you get in, starts at £3.20, which I might add is actually significantly cheaper than Uber. I think there starts at £5, maybe. I don't know. Addison Lee, £8. So... Yeah, that's that's I don't know. I've not got in one, so I don't know what it comes at. But that's so what I've heard. I, I, great I haven't been there long enough. I've been there for a long time. <laughs> um, but you know, we don't really want to put prices up because it's so long as, like I say, so long as we've got a sustainable living wage, like it, it doesn't make that much of a difference anyway. But you don't really want to be scaring people away with that. Um, mm. It's one of the good things about a black cab as well is the fact that we don't have surge pricing. That meter price is set by TfL. You'll have a little rate chart that's on TfL's website and inside of every single black cab to tell you, um, you know, how much that then comes to. On your point for integrity, um, one thing that is good about the knowledge because some people say, "Look, do you really need to do three years of studying? What is that all about?" Um, I can hark on about it, you know, the reasons and the ins and outs as to why it's good, why it's better than sat-nav. You know, I've got videos where I'm beating sat-navs on my YouTube, whatever. Um, but one of the They're best videos, things about They're it... Good videos. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But one of the best things about it is the fact that um, it's, a, it's a long dedication. It's, it's effectively, I tell people, it's the longest drawn-out job interview in the world. And what that then means is that when you become a taxi driver, I mean, years ago, they don't really do this much now because of political political correctness. But when you used to sit your exams, you know, you'd have um, the examiners would like um, tease you. They would throw stuff at you like you was back at school, basically, like you just trying to put you off on, on all sorts. And that was to simulate what a passenger would be like in the cab. They would they would say, sorry, sir, I, d- I didn't hear what you said there. What was that? What was that? Trying to get you to kind of react and like shout at them and go, oh, I said this because they're testing your temperament. Um, so that, along with the fact that it's like a long process, you know, three, five years, then means that when you are driving a cab, you know, we've all got this badge. It's taken so long to earn our cab badge. We're not going to risk that or put that um, yeah. at risk for anything. You know, if someone says, oh, well, your cab's got six seats. Do you reckon you could squeeze seven people in there? No, I can't. Like, it's the rule. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not doing it. Like, there's no... No way would I ever compromise, and that's what loads of cab drivers um, are all in the same boat, really. Whereas, if you then get into something like Uber, where the barriers to entry is lower, you go, well, you know what? I only had to fill out a few boxes and do this simple exam. Then you might be more willing to take those kind of risks, really. And I think that's the, yeah. one of the sort of problems uh, to that as well. Well, of course, you also hear the horror stories, unfortunately, with you know badly. Um... Uh, you know they haven't been background checked properly and and you know there's been some really nasty stories uh with with uber i guess not just uber i'm not gonna i'm not here to 
make Uber's yeah. life hard either. <laughs> but uh, but I, I I think with with yeah, there is some honor and integrity in in the black cab trade, and you know you do feel. Uh, I I was a, I'm not a Londoner anymore. I suppose I'm born in London, so maybe I'm still a Londoner. You're always a Londoner, right? I think when you live in London, you're a Londoner, no matter where you're from. And I love that's one of the things I love about the city. But uh, you know when when you're a Londoner, you just know the the, the black cab drivers they have they have this esteem i suppose and uh, and that i think that's a really cool thing about the city as well it's, it's part of the way in which it bleeds into that kind of um the history of the city as well you feel that there's a lot of things when you're driving around london if for those who are listening who haven't been you 100 percent should go to london and you should get a cab with taxi uh as you get a cab with tom uh but uh but um yeah it's an amazing city where you just see history all over the place including these black cabs but also all the buildings and things and i think that richness of history is is something which you know goes alongside this esteem that these these cab drivers have i do still question though like surely it needs to adapt with time and you know and and also promote the things better that the the cabs have like they have more seats they have more space they have some of them are electric <coughs> like yours and some of them have a, have a nice sunroof where you can see the london sky that is not raining by the way <laughs> on top of tom right now uh, that, that was a joke for anyone watching on the youtube channel sorry for those just listening but uh yeah i think promoting those things promoting the payment options you know making sure that people understand it is it is different now because as well with the history comes uh, some preconceived ideas and you know, I know that you guys, you have all the different payment options. There are apps associated with the, 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 the taxis now and things. But what do you think to that? Like in terms of adaption, are, are, are things changing? Are there, are there changes on the horizon that you, you're aware of? Are you trying to make changes? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely been a shift. Definitely like in the time that I've, just before the, before the time I came out, you know, I probably, some people will, will say that, you know, Uber coming along has probably forced black cab drivers to change them a bit. Um, I wasn't really part of, I wasn't a black cab driver. I knew what was going on in the trade before Uber came along. Um, mm. I've only been working since Uber's been around. So, um, but things like the adoption of card, credit card, being able to pay by credit card in every single black cab is, is wondrous. It's amazing because not, we live in a real world now. Not everyone has cash. Like, you know, that slowly as, 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 it's going to be eradicated and it's it's not something i like to hear because you know cash is cool i like the idea of having x amount of money in my wallet if i go out spending and it's gone you can physically see that money's gone there's a, a physical attachment to that whereas i think we're in more credit card debt because people are spending more on credit cards because you don't have that physical attachment to money anymore but look at the bigger picture people get paid monthly into their bank accounts you know like 80 percent of like society you know that isn't self-employed that is employed or whatever We'll get paid that way but so it's so good that black cabs all accept that and i really don't mind because that then means i don't have to carry as much cash i don't have to go to the bank to pay it in it gets paid directly into my bank account and i know as well that you know if we we're still in the point where i couldn't take card if someone says oh i can't pay mate you know there's not much of an option but everyone's got a card everyone's got contactless tap and go you know it's so easy um, in terms of accessibility, and this is again one of the other things that's kind of a bit annoying with the private hire versus taxi debacle, is that every London cab has to be 100% uh, wheelchair accessible. So, you know, think, having things like disabled ramps, all these, there's parts in my cab here that I've got these real bright, it's a specific vehicle of course, but all these bright yellow parts, 
You yeah. might think these just look pretty, but these are for people with disability impairments, like uh, sight impairments, rather. They can physically see all the, the handles, all the big points that they can grab and contact in here, for example. Yeah, um, <laughs> it has to have all of those things. There's a lot of hoops we have to go through um, to, to clear ourselves with TFL, really. There's only a choice of two vehicles at the moment, and as you mentioned, electric. So if you want to invest in this trade, you have to buy an electric capable vehicle if you say right i'm a black cab driver i want to get the most from it i want to do the best my business has to be electric all the diesels are slowly uh going and, and dying out um so yeah i hope that covers some of the things i think you were saying yeah no i think it is it shows it shows that there's movement i definitely think there's there's movement and and change um i mean i i go back to you again so i think you know what i admire about you as well you've diversified so you've also set up this youtube channel you uh, it's interesting you said you had an identity crisis uh i i, I think that's an interesting uh, motivator i suppose that, that that maybe we dig in a little bit more in because I know that you came from a past, you were working, you said you're a barista in Starbucks and then yep. you decided to change and get and sort of have a bit more freedom, do do the, the knowledge and, and, and uh, graduated there in 2017, right? I think. And, and then from there, you've kind of also then been helping people with your YouTube. You've written this book like what's next like what what are you where like what are you hoping to achieve with your youtube or is there something different coming for you like uh, what do you think i i i actually think the guiding i looked at your uh, trip advisor and i i you know i think this guiding thing is a is a really good idea but what like is that something you're really keen on or is there something else on the horizon for you so i originally got into taxi driving because of kind of that freedom uh, of work and you know i didn't I've never really held down jobs for that long. Like I've always bounced back to retail and kind of customer serving stuff because I kind of I think deep down I just like that connection with people, understanding people, being able to help people out. Um, taxi driving was kind of more just for me being able to move more into a self-employed basis and think right, this isn't going to be the be all and end all. I'm not going to be a taxi driver and live out my days until retirement. It's like right now, now what? I've got a nice platform that I can work with. Here. I'm self-employed. I'm accountable to my own hours. I can put all the other fun stuff around that. You know, be that if I want to start a new hobby, or be that start uh, a new business venture. But for, like as you mentioned, obviously you're doing the tour guiding. That kind of fits very neatly as an extension to cab driving. And I think as well, driving around London, as you mentioned, the richness of the history around here. It's just rude not to get involved with everything <laughs> it has to. Because I'm here every day. Like I'm, I'm effectively coming out in the cab people are paying me to take them to places and i can sort of start looking at all these buildings memorizing all the dates on the buildings what that all means and tying it all together so that's just kind of me keeping my brain active and the sort of richness of history that i enjoy um and then the youtube for me was being able to spread like the message or like what i do in the cab or what i think's good about life i mean some people and you might have noticed this as well, but some of the sort of ways I present myself on YouTube is kind of rehashing what I've learned in books and things. You know, I want to mm. be able to do kind of a bit of a book review on, on YouTube, but sometimes I just do it in the form of a nice story or what I've learned in the cab. And it's largely just to kind of spread that to a much wider audience because any job provides value to someone. You know, if you yeah. when I was working as a co um, as a barista in Starbucks, you know, you're providing coffee to someone that has some kind of value to it. 
whether you're a teacher and you're teaching like uh, a class full of kids or you know even if me in this cab like I'm one on one I'm providing value to people again across London but the power of what we have now and what I think is so amazing is YouTube and podcasts and books and things like that that are so accessible to everyone now I think it's amazing that we live in a world that anyone can do this yeah. We look at entrepreneurs of the past who think, ah, oh, it was easy back then because no one was doing it. No, 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 it was harder back then because you couldn't get hold of all this stuff. So, yeah. you, you know, like as it's mentioned, you're, you're obviously on, on the book. I've written a book. You know, you've got a podcast. I've got a YouTube channel. We all have cameras and everything like that. So for me, it was being able to get on YouTube and be able to spread that to the widest possible audience because at the end of the day, sharing, giving, that's kind of where humanity sits. Like there's only... Let's say you earn like all the money in the world. Like, if you just go sit in your room until your dying days, like, is that a life worth lived? Not really. You have to share your experiences and what you've then done with everyone around you for it to. Even if you've been on holiday, you know, when you come back, what's the first thing you do? You, you tell your friends, "Oh, I went here. We did this. Oh, do you want to see some photos when I was on holiday?" We have a natural inclination to <laughs> share. No, I've already it. seen them. They're on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's, I think, the human nature of it, and using these online platforms. Um, and be able to spread that to the, to the widest reach. Um, who knows what I might be doing in, in a few years' time. What I'm loving is being able to sort of learn, look at different things, emulate people's lifestyles and think, you know what, next year I might not be doing it. Two years' time, who knows? And so long as you can just sort of just ride that wave and just see where it goes, really. Yeah, I think uh, I, I feel very confident for you, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt. Uh, I think it's uh, I think I feel very confident for you because I think you've got you're clearly very intelligent, but you, and and I, I think that shows in a big part because to just pass the knowledge, to take it on like you did and, and pass it, I think that shows a lot of intelligence. But then when you talk, you're very authentic. You're very uh, what's the right word? Erudite? Oh my God! Did I just use that word? I wow! Know. I, mean, that's a, I love a good word. I don't know what that word means, but I'm gonna have to steal I, that. I think it's right. You're, you're very good with words. You're a wordsmith, let's say, and and you're you're very natural. So I think those things all stand hugely in your favour. And, and I see some of the things you're doing. You know, you're 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 somewhat jumping on bandwagons in terms of the geoguessor type of thing which is a, a whole uh, whole there's a huge realm of geoguessor videos coming on that there i didn't realize but, but there was a, a community of it i found this game and i was like this is amazing. kind of cool. like, google street view like i love maps and streets like that's what yeah. i love like and, and i was saying i was saying you're jumping on the bandwagon but i think it's totally fine to jump on the bandwagon oh, definitely, yeah. first of all <laughs> you enjoy and secondly it's kind of like it's really interesting for other people to watch so i i mean i i've been nerding out massively and he's actually another guy who i'm trying to get on the podcast but he's he's so busy he's the guy who did, i don't know if you saw the straight line video straight oh, line Tom, yeah, he, he actually Tom. He, he actually emailed me after uh did he honestly when he saw i saw that email come from i was like oh my god wow yeah um, he's he's awesome he's awesome he's and uh, his his the way he does his videos it reminded me a lot when i saw yours i was like yeah this is the same type of authenticity just naturally you know witty and kind of easygoing easy to watch uh i mean maybe i don't it's clearly not just a british thing because people from all over the world are following uh tom in particular you know he's uh, yeah. like he, he uh he, he's hugely popular now so i think I feel very confident for you and I feel confident as well with the with the black cab and the, the fact that you're doing the tour, tour guiding and stuff so I'm not here as like I didn't want to be too controversial and make out like I feel like the the, the industry is dying or something but I think back to you know what what the point was about the industry was that it's just changing and the strategy needs to change from from 
TfL especially from Transport for London. I think they they need to. They need I to think adapt. I can see where where they've come from and um, what the reason why it will always be a bit of a problem is that um, with private hire licenses, how it works for Transport for London is that someone makes an application and it's probably like two hundred two hundred fifty pounds. At one point, I think there's about one hundred and ten thousand private hire licenses in London. And to give you some sort of idea of those numbers, it's only ever been like the maximum amount of black cab drivers is 25,000. So you're talking almost five times the amount of black cab drivers has ever been, being private hire licenses. And the thing is there, in terms of the application, they're not actually, you don't have to go through the knowledge process. So that's a very quick buck. They've only got to like apply and then, you know, within, I think it's like three to six months, something like that, they can be driving. So in terms of a revenue, it was basically like a, a license to print money for Transport for London. They've just got to just, yep, another driver wants to apply, cool, cool. And, you know, they've got, it's just bang, 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 you know, easy yeah. money, really. So it's a nice revenue spinner for them. But I don't think they've really looked at the long-term effect of it, you know, in terms of congestion on the streets, being able to vet that many drivers because of the sheer volume of applications coming through. Um, and we've got the mayor elections coming up uh, this next month uh, in May of 2021 and I'm sure every mayor of London will want to utilise that sheer volume of because it's it's a big business for London let's face it now that all these private hire drivers are here whether it's Uber whether it's someone else it's going to be here to stay you'd be silly not to to look at that as a big revenue source and go Mm. you know what let's get rid of it it's not going to happen they're going to be here no, I don't think they could regulate it better and they could also um, <clears throat> look to learn from that industry as well. I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated here in, in, in Oslo. You mentioned about um, payments. I found out yesterday that Norway is the lowest uh, number of cash payments in the world now. It's like yeah. 4 or 5% of transactions or something uh, uh, cash. And we never see cash anymore. But uh, And so I was, I was sort of laughing to myself because they're worrying about the banks not providing cash services anymore and that's like they're now going to put in legislation for that here <laughs> but also these all these food um what are they called in uh England? like delivery uh, yeah. and the just eat and all of that all these dry all these people on bikes driving everywhere now and i'm sure you're constantly cursing at them in the roads in london because uh, I, I would imagine they're all, <laughs> all <laughs> cycling all over the place in front of you but they're everywhere now and i'm i'm surprised i think that industry is going to find new revenue sources delivering you know click and buy from shops and things yeah post corona times and stuff so i think there's lots of innovations coming and i think the taxi drivers you know and the taxi world is going to see innovations too so um yeah i'm optimistic i just got to add nick uh, before we go yeah. further i don't know if we cut this out but i'm seven uh, percent of battery on the uh, that's all right top. listen well, I'm gonna but, um uh, if not i mean we could just switch over to the phone and then because i can literally lean that up in the same way so if you want to switch it together there i tell i tell you what tom i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up anyway because i feel i have taken lots of your time and i super super appreciate no worries that's cool yeah yeah um, Maybe we touch base again sometime. I'll, uh, I, I, I really hope for the best for you. People in London listening to this, you have to, you have to now do this. You have to go and click on the link to Tom's website, book him up for a tour around London uh, in, in his electric cab. Uh, he's, he's Corona friendly. I mean, he's not friendly to Corona, but he's, he's all the right levels of corona friendliness uh he's got everything's covered on, on that front and uh i think it's it's it looks like it's the weather in london now to go and see that beautiful city Definitely. so uh, 
anyone visiting, uh, he does stopovers in uh, layovers from Heathrow as well. I've seen that on TripAdvisor. So you've picked people up and, and done tours and things from... People from just want to get out of the airport. That, me, is just saving <laughs> people from the airport. You know, a nine-hour layover at Heathrow, no thanks. Let's go into London, see London for three hours, grab some lunch, head back, and then you can carry on on your way to Italy or wherever you're going. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And Tom would be the perfect person to take you around doing that. So Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah. Get in touch and uh, and 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 uh, yeah, let 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 him know you found him through me, <laughs> so he knows that this was worth his, his time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Tom, Tom, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, mate. And I, I wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for your time talking to me about these things. Is Not there is there any last pieces of wisdom you'd like to share that uh, you wanted to put out there to the world? Well, that's a big ambiguous question. My brain's just firing all these philosophy quotes from Socrates and Marcus Aurelius and all that. Do this, do that. You know, it won't make you happy. <laughs> Watch my videos. That's what you say. Watch my videos. Nah, you nah, a lot nah. of knowledge there. <laughs> well, you, you've already done that all for me. So I suppose it's just to kind of just be open to, to anything. You know, here's me talking about, you know, Uber and the state of play and everything. You know, I don't, I really don't want to get myself into a, a position where I'm just kind of trying to repeat the same rhetoric of what everyone else is saying or just to suit my agenda because that's just the fool's game you know you've got to look at it on a much bigger picture um and attack everything from all different angles really which isn't always easy to do it sometimes can be a bit painful but you know you got to embrace pain at certain points in your life <laughs> I think the struggle, the struggle is what makes it all worthwhile, right? I think Definitely. you even said that in one of your videos, but I, I totally agree. It's the struggle that makes it worthwhile. I'm trying to push myself to, to be better all the time as well. So uh, I believe in that very strongly. Tom, I'll let you go. Thank you so much and all the best. Safe traveling around London, safe driving. And uh, we hope to see you again on the podcast sometime. Take care, Nick. It'd be a pleasure. Yeah, Hi, just a quick outro now. Thank you very much for listening and thanks for being here right to the bitter end. Um, I just wanted to say, please uh, like, subscribe, uh, do all the magic there and review or rate it. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast app, you can just swipe up within that. If it's on the Apple uh, podcast app, uh, you can swipe up within the episode guide and, and there's a, a place at the bottom there for reviewing and rating podcasts. I would super appreciate your uh, help in getting the word out there. Uh, and also any any uh, constructive feedback you have, please do jump in contact with me uh, through LinkedIn or wherever. Um, I really appreciate every message I get, uh, both positive and negative. So uh, thank you so much for those who've followed me on this journey. I've got more to come uh, and I'll leave you to it. All right.